do the the news thing. Oh yeah, the recording the Zencaster. Now that we've hit it in Audacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have also yeah, yeah, yeah. hit Audacity. Well, now that you've said that, hello everybody and welcome to Demonstrate the Loop, a Magic the Gathering podcast where we do everything from discussion, deck text, and set dissections. Today, we're going to be talking about um, a lot of theory crafting today. We're going to be doing a, a pretty standard, what would you call it, Demonstrate the Loop. We're just demonstrating the loop this time, you said? Yeah, just a, just a DTL piece. Um, this episode uh, was uh for behind the scenes i i think it actually had been floated as a as a um discussion point for our last week's discussion but then that went into two hours long so instead <laughs> we didn't do that uh <laughs> so uh today it, it was an idea that i um i had i had kind of put everybody about the experience of transitioning formats and specifically transitioning into commander because um it's as the as the format gets really popular there are a lot of people who learned magic and exclusively play commander they come directly into it but also in our experience there's also a lot of people who are coming into the format from other areas of magic you've already got some cards you're playing magic in a certain way and then you hear about commander and are moving over to it so a lot of today's discussion is if you are already playing magic somewhere else be that kitchen table or you're playing, you're a draft player, standard, modern, etc., and you have a favorite deck you want to play, but then you hear about Commander. What do you do? Do you kind of? Uh, some people may say like you just kind of drop that deck entirely, you move over. But what we're approaching here is taking your existing deck, whether that be a literal deck list or a favorite style of play, with you across formats and specifically into Commander, and kind of what that process is like. What are some guides that we found for it? What are some of our experience with that is the topic here today. All right. Format uh, transition. Correct. Yeah, format transitioning. Um, and I think yeah. that it is safe to say, I know that, Drew, you dabbled in standard kind of a long time ago with your group yeah, of Yeah, when friends. I first started. Mm -hmm. But our, I'm nearly positive, I feel comfortable in saying that ever since about, what, 2011 and onward, we mm -hmm. did kitchen table casual all like essentially exclusively. Yeah. I, I would yeah. say that's fair. Like I had played, um, I know whenever I had started, I think that was Mirrodin, uh, standard block is whenever I started, I played a little bit oh, in Mirrodin? there, but I mean, then, then yeah. Oh, probably um, scars, like, right? I, or original. Yes. Yeah, scars, scars. Uh, yeah. Scars oh, block. And then like the tail end of new Phyrexia, um, I, I peaked up a bit in Innistrad, but e even then, even whenever I was playing standard, that was mostly because I was at my friend's house for Friday to play magic and they wanted to play standard. So I went with them to play standard. Um, <laughs> and then apart from that, though, we would do a lot of kitchen table magic, even with standard legal deck lists. And we would just kind of literally play to like test decks against one another before going to F and M's and going <laughs> to like the store tournaments and such. Yeah, now, for me, when I first started playing, the uh, I'm pretty sure the set that was fresh was specifically Dark Ascension, which apparently yep. came out in uh, February 3rd, 2012. But when I got started, it was just utterly irrelevant that that was the most recent set because I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't do any, I didn't do standard <laughs> at all. It was always just pulling from all the cards that exist because it was just casual. I hmm. think, um, I think. Like, I understood in a way, because I believe that 
because I, I played a little bit with Drew and them before we started hounding in on kitchen table, and mm-hmm. I I had like an Azorius flying matters griffin control yeah, deck that was griffin like a deck. starter set from yeah. innistrad it was around there i think it was like around in 12 innistrad yeah and i um and i didn't really care about the fact that i was playing azorius flyers which is like the go-to strategy for a million years it <laughs> never gets any more exciting to me but that mm-hmm. is that is essentially what i started with was that what do you guys remember what the what the i guess igniting factor was for us to just start meeting up and start building these ridiculous decks because this is where i'm fuzzy i can't remember what the actual like so i started with um my first my first uh commander deck i had ever built was a gruel baborigmos deck back in i mean this would have been because commander like original, or kitchen table uh commander this is a EDH oh, okay. deck um because it's as because we were kind of me and my group we were we were getting into we were getting into magic in general and someone had heard of commander as a format and they had basically brought the idea to us just as another thing to also play mostly because you could only do standard on fridays basically yeah um so i remember my first my first dabble in a casual format like that was with this Baborgmos deck, and that's the way that we operated. I think there were it was me, Nick, Carlton, Alex, Will, uh, at the very least, and Jacob. There were there were six of us, and so what we would do is we'd go buy packs. If we got the card we needed, we would keep that or keep any money rares. And then we had a communal box that was at Carlton's house, and those were just free reign for anybody. So. Gotcha. For that, it's I literally went through to find a commander. I found Borgmos, and he hit that big uh, green stompy feel <laughs> that I like so good. And then I just went through anything that cared about big creatures. So I was running like Drum Hunter, where Ancients Tread, Garrick's Pack Leader. And so it was just kind of big stuff there. And I think the biggest thing, like, it's in building that, I had a ton of fun with it. That deck is just straight full stop garbage. Um, but it's, it's kind of like that first thing where it's, it's that Timmy mindset that I got started with. of just like, Oh, it's this deck's about big creatures, big boys the whole time. Um, and I think the thing that the big thing that started me with that is the fact that I didn't like having one. I don't like the more competitive nature of standard of tournaments where it's, you literally lose money if you go in and aren't just playing strictly to win. True. Yeah. And, yeah. And I didn't like the fact that like me and my group of friends, I would like where we would just kind of hang out. We would all play against each other for like hours and hours. I didn't like having to wait until Friday night to go to my LGS to play. I wanted to play at other points in time. So I remember what would happen is because by this point, I I believe by this point, um, I had brought uh, Daniel over to play, and I I don't know how Josh learned the game. I'm not privy to that info, but I know I, like at a certain point, Daniel, I think you just invited us over to like it was just like literally we had started getting invited over to play, and because we weren't in a tournament, there was nothing making us adhere to a rule set or adhere to a card legality. Hmm. So we were just kind of putting stuff together and seeing what worked from there. Yeah, I don't um I don't know where things landed on the timeline, but I know that yeah. um I think Daniel brought it over to uh the uh Kyle Dog House. jokes. Wait, I should I shouldn't say his full name probably for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's okay. I'll just add dog jokes to it. Yeah, Kyle, yeah. that good boy, he had that house we'd go to. Um and I know that I got into magic at first, like I think it was essentially pure peer pressure. 
like you guys wanted to play <laughs> and already played, and I was just like, I I don't want to buy a bunch of cards. I don't want to spend a bunch of money on this. And I'm pretty sure like yeah, but didn't you have like a you had like a random cousin or something that gave you a bunch of like good oh, old yeah. stuff? Because yes. I I remember when we were getting into it, you actually you didn't buy a lot at the start because you just had things. I just kept ending up with things. Yeah, okay, that's true. I didn't remember <laughs> a lot of this. I, I do know at one point it was like <laughs> the pure peer pressure you guys wanted to play. We went to Walmart and I got this black red vampire. Yeah, Rakdos Vamps. Yeah, that deck yeah. sucked. <laughs> oh yeah, it was just that and it's not interesting and it wasn't good and I spent a lot of time no, no. that. It was it um, was really good because we didn't know answers or I didn't know what answers were. I didn't know how right. that much about that kind of stuff and the deck was just so fast. It was such a fast vampire deck that it was oh, actually man, it for the time it was the strongest on. in the meta. Your starter <laughs> in a strong vampires deck was like the strongest deck that I had ever played against. And you know, that, I think that's that I think that's where I very strongly learned that I did not enjoy playing a deck that was good but not interesting. <laughs> mhm. Well, why would yeah. why would I play a deck that's that boring and wins the game? <laughs> and I guess yeah, I that, that, that kind of launched us into how we ended up playing kitchen table casual because we yeah. have one person that could win and said, "No, you know what? No." Nah. I want to play, I want to, if I'm going to win, I want to make sure my deck is bad. And then you would still win, <laughs> yes. and it would take hours and hours. I don't like hours. having to not only fight against my opponent's deck, but I want to also fight against my deck to win a game of Magic. That's a true victory. I feel like that's that's how a Johnny plays. I think that's how a Johnny <laughs> combo player plays. So. It's like, hey, yeah. I can't win unless I have my deck. If my deck doesn't have all these things... Then, then I'll lose, but I will find them. I will dig, and it will take a year. I will, I will dig. I will get them. Here they are, guys. I have one, and it is mm-hmm. now Thursday, and we started on Monday, and, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And I think, I think the the, the biggest switch for me, because this is actually still true to this day. Um, whenever we do, we get together to do like uh, drafts and stuff. I think my biggest push to casual is the fact that I didn't want to play one v one. Because that meant that certain that meant that whenever we would get together to play magic, people couldn't play. Like if we had three people over, oh yeah. Were, if we're doing one v ones, one yeah. person has to just sit out. And so as but to answer that, you just go to play casual, and then you're playing three. Like even if you're all playing standard decks, you're playing three player. And that because I mean like even once we because we played kitchen table for years at mm-hmm. that point, and I think yeah. we were still playing with general like we were playing 60 card decks. We didn't, it, it was years between when we started playing casual kitchen table. And then when we started playing commander as a group, oh, yeah. like, mm-hmm. that was a years uh-huh. and years of time where we were just kind of tinkering and building decks and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I had 50 kitchen table, casual decks and then put myself on the mission to make 50 uh, commander decks <laughs> based <laughs> off of those things. We, we went unnecessarily hard in um in kitchen table um i know that yes the the jumping off point for me or not jumping off point was that um i don't remember when we started i want to say it was probably like two years in that Mm -hmm. we started paying attention to set releases because we were always looking for new casual cards and so when we Mm -hmm. check set releases well it's just like oh hey look this is um uh zendikar 
is is coming out this new zendikar thing and it's just like and there's gonna be a bunch of new cards i'm like oh new cards that's good i like new cards but then in learning that sets work that way i also learned that standard exists i learned Mm -hmm. that there are many many formats because we started following sets and then we started seeing um on like the spoiler websites these really interesting cards that affected all players and everyone and i remember that sticking in my brain being like what are these from and these are from the commander precons which i didn't know what those were but apparently there was a set that designed cards that i like already to kind of do those things in my kitchen Mm -hmm. table casual deck so i remember watching those very closely and then at that point i just was on youtube watching people play commander because that's where all the good fun cards were <laughs> was in commander. Yeah. And then I, um, yeah. after watching that for long enough, I was just like, commander's like kitchen table, except for I can take this deck into a group of strangers and not have to be like, Hey, I have a play set of soul rings and tinkers in my <laughs> kitchen table. Casual deck. Is this yeah. fine? Are we okay? If I drop soul ring, uh, mox opal, into tinker on a lotus petal to put out open machine turn one maybe turn zero if i have ley line of anticipation mm-hmm. on the field is that cool no that's not cool so that was really <laughs> the main inspiration for me to be like okay if all of my casual decks are just commander decks i've essentially like quadruple billion the amount of people i can play with because i can still yes. just use them at a kitchen table yeah. casual deck or like thing it's just yeah. like instead of being like 60 cards it's like hey guys I'm extra silly today. I got a hundred cards. <laughs> yeah, I have a hundred cards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, because you, I, I believe you were the first of all of us, at least among that group of casual players. You were working <laughs> on converting all of your sixty-card decks to commander decks. None of the rest of us had yet, and so you just were going ahead and playing these hundred-card singleton decks against our sixty-card card. <laughs> multiple copies of things decks. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that was like that was the it's start of it because I know, like, well, because he mentioned that because I think you bought the um the Tyrannos, no, the Kyrios and Tyro of Miletus. Miletus. It, it built mm-hmm. that, and then so like he had mentioned, and like it makes it makes a lot of sense where it's like it's our kitchen table group. We can always get together and play kitchen table, but if we have he, you know I mean, like I think you literally explained it where it was just like if I have a commander deck, I can play here at the kitchen table and i can play at the store i can play at the lgs i can play with whomever and mm-hmm. so i think like soon after that i had bought the uh the saskia the unyielding precon and i had started playing with that and then soon after there i i knew i had built i built sadisi was the first one i had actually built where i had like found a commander and then built it i had the saskia deck that i was making tweaks to and then i had started doing the topic of this episode which is slowly converting my existing kitchen table decks over into commander format decks. And I think that, I think the process, and I don't know how easy it is for other people, but Mm -hmm. I guess at this point I had already been watching commander videos for like probably like a full year, year and a half before I actually like started the transition. So I kind of had an idea of what went where. And then also Mm -hmm. because of just how I built some of my decks, I had multiple play sets of cards that were like <laughs> very impactful. Yep. Yeah, because I didn't know soul rings were like a thing that people complained about <laughs> in Commander. I ran a playset of them in a garbage deck. Just yeah. Because it was it was like, oh, fast mana, that's great. I love it. And I still, I still never ban soul ring. I want make mana crypt also three dollars. Put that in every deck. 
I want that 100%. <laughs> yeah. But um, so for me, it was not quite as arduous as I think that mm-hmm. people would expect for having 50 kitchen table legs because I had some cards that were... Uh, and I, yeah, think it back on I it. Think... I don't know how I had the money to do it. <laughs> building some of these things yeah and you know i i think um just remembering um my process of getting into commander was pretty different because uh i i feel like i was resistant to it for a long time like you you daniel had already converted a bunch of your decks over drew was getting mm-hmm. into it and for mm-hmm. me in the the 60 card casual format I, I was always very much the Johnny player. I wanted all my decks to have these tight combos, and I wanted my combos to do their combo thing reliably mm-hmm. as much as possible. It was very dependent on me having multiple copies of a card so that the combo would happen, and that just doesn't work the same at all in Commander because it's all singleton. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I was just thinking just now about the fact that my first uh, Commander deck that I built was my Rogue's deck. Um, and I, I know I had, or I had not bought, but I had built in, on paper the um, a sixty card version of that rogues deck, and I already knew that it was bad, and it wasn't going to be good because it couldn't be good. Um, uh-huh. And and that ended up being my first commander deck I built because I was like, well, look, this isn't going to be good no matter what. If I just throw together a bunch of rogues, and I'm just having rogues because the point is to have rogues. I can mm-hmm. do that and not feel bad about not having multiple copies of the good cards because there aren't any. And I don't have to worry about any good combos not being reliable because there aren't any. Aren't and so that was my yeah, first commander deck that I built. And it was pure Timmy of just, I want to have rogues and play rogues. Uh, there's nothing reliable to happen. I'm just going to play mm-hmm. them out. And I have definitely found that just in general in building commander decks... I I think I go a lot much more Timmy on it. I'm not I mm-hmm. I, I have not so far built a commander deck that is like I'm gonna have this combo where on turn one I need to play these things so I can get out this so then I can have an extra extra copy of it somehow to do this thing. I I haven't worked out how to do that and maybe that is just my failing and maybe eventually I'll figure it out and mm-hmm. no one will enjoy the game anymore because I will take so long to figure out my own combo that I should know. <laughs> But so far, currently, I I play it just Timmy. I I, I have my themes and or tribal, and I play mm-hmm. the cards out, and it's a very different I, experience. Yeah, oh yeah. And your don't... your backlog is you have a Kraken's deck, and you also yes. have a Dragon deck, and then I think there's also a Wizard's deck. Uh not yet, but there should be. But okay. I mean, I also yeah. have it's it's I've got some some uh uh tribal ones, and that's like the most basic dumb brain nothing thing that you can do essentially well Not hold that there's on wrong don't, with that, but it's, dumb it's, brain. i'm just saying that it's easy um yeah contented simple-minded um let's call it sort of thing there's those if you're doing tribal and then otherwise mm. you can have a theme where i do have some yeah. of those i've got my um just make everyone draw as many cards as possible deck i've got my mm-hmm cheap cards artifacts i've got my everybody has to get rid of all of their things and the game is bad for everyone and those aren't tribal <laughs> that is true they yeah. are they are very heavy on their theme 
I know that yes. whenever because whenever I was making the conversion to it, because it like I got the Sasuke one just so I could kind of get up and go. I could start playing right away. And I was tinkering with, but I, I know my first two that I moved over is my um, my old reliable deck. And this is since I started playing the game when I was playing like mono green regenerate. Um, I've, I've been playing green, a green aggro essentially is what I've been playing. And by the time that I'd kind of gotten out of standard, which was around the Avacyn block, the Innistrad block, um, like when I was like, that's whenever I stopped buying like standard cards and then pivoted to kitchen table. My end point at that, at that stage was I was playing green, a green, white tokens deck. And then I was playing that in kitchen table for, you know, years and years and years. And so I know that I converted, I had two of them that I primarily converted over and there were the green, white tokens deck. And then the other one was the, um, was the just Kai ascendancy combo deck. Mm-hmm. So, Green white tokens worked like green white tokens. I think my key cards in it were I was running parallel lives, champion of lamb holt, um, cryptolith right, and tangible virtue. It was just green white tokens. Make champion of lamb holt's real big. They can't block, swing in, and kill everybody. That's pretty. That one. That one was pretty easy because if anything, it's just I got. I didn't have the redundancy, but what that meant is that I just started running more ways to generate the tokens, which in green white was mm-hmm. very easy to do. Um, and oh, so yeah. from there, it was just kind of finding the right commander for it. I think at the time I was making the conversion, Dominaria had come out, and so I just ran it with Shauna, uh, Sisei's Legacy, who just was green and white she gave me the colors and then she cared about how many creatures i controlled which i was running tokens deck that was mm-hmm. pretty easy so it was and it was around that same kind of thing where we had started paying attention to new sets and so just whenever i looked to make the conversion like she had gotten revealed like oh okay that one's actually pretty easy the trickier one and this one has gone through iterations but it's the just kai ascendancy deck where it's combo line uh, it's that kitchen table deck to show its hard pivot was uh, the 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 shtick with it was that it played physically on a table like a dj turntable would and so it was it was created as the tall Rand brings the party featuring young pyromancer and drake which was the drake tokens that tall Rand made so mm-hmm. it was the deck was a turntable and what it would do is it would run lines of um i forget the buyback spell but it basically i would be able to cast uh, haze of rage right yeah, it was it was Haze of Rage and then a finisher with Grape Shot, which was the base drop. So the the ultimate <laughs> yeah. line was with Blister Coil Weird, uh Jeskai Ascendancy, Paradise Mantle, um, and just enough creatures on board. What it would do is it would cast a non-creature spell, preferably an instant or sorcery, which would cause the Blister Coil Weirds to untap and the Jeskai Ascendancy to untap. I would then with Paradise Mantle I would give them or um, or mere creatures. I would have them as they tap for mana. So as soon as I could have them tap for more mana, then it would cost me to cast a spell like Haze of Rage, which has buyback so I can cast it endlessly. I can tap and untap my creatures forever, which is me scratching the DJ turntable. <laughs> and then I could finish it off because just guy ascendancy lets me loot through the deck. I can eventually get to grape shot, which then lets me kill the entire board. So, and if and if I can't do those lines because of running um, Tall Rand, um, because of running Young Pyromancer, and because of running Monastery Mentor in the deck, I would just have infinite tokens on board, and then I could just swing out an aggro in that way. So I converted that over, and so the uh, the the key pieces were obvious. I initially had the deck, and I built it. You know, I just 
went from four copies of just guy ascendancy to one and they had all the key cards and so the trickier part was the redundancy now with having with having to kind of look at it in that way i remember the the hardest thing for it because like i found like plea for guidance to help me tutor for the enchantment oh, so yeah. i could get that i looked for redundant ways to untap my creatures so like i grabbed like intruder alarm for the deck and then i i had to eventually um, pivot the deck into just giving it more things that it could do so it was started running like a control package more removal more card draw so i could dig to get to the combos quicker um my initial commander i remember because of it being just high it being that um that wedge color wasn't very common until the cons block had come out which is with just guys tendency so like i didn't have a ton oh, yeah. of options yeah. so i ended up initially doing shu yun just because it's at that right. point i was finding yeah, sites it, it was shu yun silent tempest and he was he was uh shu yun i think is two and a blue for a two two legendary creature maybe a three two and whenever you cast a non-creature spell you can play two hybrid boros and he gets double or target creature gets double strike till in a turn that okay. deck with him if you build it with him first it's built as a one punch man deck where it's a voltron build i oh, okay. pulled him in just for the for the counters or for the colors mm-hmm. until with m20 they released a uh, kaikar who is another Jeskai commander who has whenever you cast an on-creature spell, you make a spirit token and you can sack the spirits for red. So what that allowed me to do is that allowed me a commander who was giving me another way to generate mana just by ca- just by casting spells to then kind of continually loop the deck. And so the deck kept its flavor. We're like, it's a combo deck, sure, but the flavor was more so about things that generated tokens on casting spells to draw the crowd into the nightclub and then to tap <laughs> an untapped creature so it did it. And then with Kaikar, because it was another creature that cared about non-creature spells, I know the deck in its current state is very Super Friends Planeswalker heavy because the idea is that they are like these VIP guests at the yeah, nightclub. Yeah, they're the very important they Planeswalkers. Are, yeah, and they, <laughs> and they trigger they trigger all of the things to untap everything and yeah. and they now kind of play more into it and it's a more powerful line and it gets back into that the deck needed more stuff to do because the deck previously was built around like three or four cards and i just you, i need more than that unless i wanted to like spike it all the way out so i just kind of ended up finding new lines that were still in the same theme that i had carried over from kitchen table so i've, I've got a I, question um, um yeah and i know for the most part that it's going to be the one thing and not the other thing um, which doesn't mean any make any sense for me to say without saying the question first. Um, but <laughs> do you, it sounds like for the most part, what we're talking about in general, I don't think any of us care immensely specifically about the commander. I don't think in general we build decks around a commander. It's usually we have what the deck is and then find a commander to fit. Do you guys have any decks where it's it's built around specifically the commander? Yes, actually. I gotta so, think about that one. Yeah. Well, so ahead, the Drew. the in that in that same moment in time, because I, I alluded to it earlier, um, around the time when cons came out, I remember I bought um a cons pack and I had pulled a Sidisi Brew Tyrant. Um Sidisi mm. is um without even looking it up, a Sidisi is one green, blue, black for a three three naga shaman uh, whenever it enters whenever she enters the battlefield or attacks you mill the top three cards of your deck and if any of those are creatures you put a 2-2 zombie token into play um and i had looked at that card and that card was always very interesting to me but it had never sparked an interest to build a kitchen table deck around so i had it in my binder my rares binder and that's even with even at the time cdc even now is still ridiculously cheap but even at the time it's like a 35 cent rare but at that point i go it's a rare it goes in the binder um so <laughs> it's a mythic rare <laughs> 
it is a mythic rare and it's still like nothing um it's, and then when we yeah. when we started building commander i like i was converting some decks but i mean like in that time i also had like an ooze tribal deck so just not everything was gonna right. make it but <laughs> i was looking through my just my my legendary creatures and then i stumbled into sadisi and I thought like that ability was really cool to me. Cause like up to that point, I didn't, I had played some self mill. I had like a black white and an Orzov aristocrats deck at kitchen table. Um, and so I had played and it used reanimation a lot. So it had some things that put cards into my graveyard to pull them back out. But like, yeah. it was a creature that let me do um, a thing that attracts me as a player to like my favorite standard or my favorite um, constructed archetype is aristocrats. And the thing that attracts me to that archetype is the fact that it's, you are getting benefits through effects that are almost universally negative. So in aristocrats, it's your own things are dying and you're benefiting off of that. And Sidisi seemed like a card that let me do that also with like self mill. Normally you wouldn't want to get milled. Normally that's bad to happen to you. But in Sidisi, that's something that you're like, it's like, if you don't do that, I'm going to do it myself and I'm fine. And if you are doing that, I'm going to get benefits off of you. And now, I mean, like you guys have played against my Sidisi deck. I would argue Sidisi is my strongest deck. Like that's pretty good. Full stop. And so, and that, and that's one yeah. that I built. I like, I, in a Timmy way, I was like, I really like this commander. I think this card is really cool. And now we're playing this format where now I can actually use this card that I didn't really have a use for before. Mm. And just, I've tweaked it and tuned it and iterated on that deck in the years we've been playing commander up to the point where I play it now. Yeah. And see, I, I have built exactly one deck and I, I don't actually physically own it, but I just have it built um, around mm. a commander. And that is from uh, Sir Gwyn hero of ashvale uh-huh. um and it being uh gwyn a knight uh spelled the way that gwyn is spelled that inspired me mm-hmm. to build a deck purely flavorfully based around the dark souls game series yeah. <laughs> um so that's that's where a commander specifically landed me that's as deep as i've mm-hmm. gone in i like this commander i want to build around it yeah how about you Dane? for me because I had, because you, you, I had fifty kitchen table decks. Yeah, and the yes. idea was conversion. So mm-hmm. there were some decks that did get lost in the transition. Like there are some that just got scrapped because it's not that they weren't as consistent. It is that mm-hmm. in Commander they are miles and miles less fun. <laughs> like right, yeah. um, you know, I have my Chronotog, skip my own turn, <laughs> stacks deck. It had no win con. It was just stacks. But in Kitchen Table Casual, that's funny and it's fine. But in Commander, when things are, you know, it's a singleton format and they already take a long time, I was not mm. going to transition that one. I wasn't going yep. to. I said, absolutely not. I'm not going to do <laughs> uh-huh. it. But what I ended up doing was I just kind of plugged just I would search for like the terms of the things and I would just say, okay, this person does that thing that my deck already did. But there are a few exceptions of like new decks that kind of came up out of nowhere. Uh, one of them actually being my, one of my favorite decks is a Homora human ascendant who mm-hmm. is a legendary four, four. He cannot block. And when he is put into the graveyard from play, you return it into play flipped. Uh, And then he is a legendary enchantment that says creatures you control get plus two, plus two and half flying and fire breathing, uh, pay a red and it gets plus one plus O until end of turn. 
Mm-hmm. He he's a legendary creature. He turns into an enchantment, which is my actual favorite permanent type. So yep. it's like running an enchantment in the command zone. Mm-hmm. And then the whole deck is just, I call it my mono red flyers decks and I run no dragons. It's all just shitty small token generation nice. that becomes yeah. three, three flyers. Like every, yep. yeah. I have, um, I have Kerr keep so I can pay a colorless oh. and a red and tap it and make a zero one cobalt, but it's a two, three flyer. Yep. That's On a efficient. land. It's disgusting. Yeah. I love this deck. And it was only because I saw this guy and I was like, ooh, I'm going to turn him upside down and then <laughs> swing with boys. It's a thing where it's as, as we've been playing longer, I have definitely now had a lot of just decks that were inspired by commanders or inspired by things like that. Um, I definitely, the, when, when converting a deck from another format, it's I've got the deck already. So yeah, I think by necessity yeah. in that case, um because i had made the de- i had made the mental decision to switch to commander from kitchen table i will always like if i'm converting an old deck idea it's i have the deck idea already can i find a commander to fit it even if it's like in the just high ascendancy example even if it's just to give me the colors until then soon after that a better commander had come around i will say that there have been instances there have been instances where my deck, because of who I chose, the deck is almost not recognizable anymore because I liked <laughs> the person at the helm so much. Like Horses Galorses, it's a it's a deck that I have yeah. that was essentially... <laughs> calm down. Um, the first iteration was a spy kit deck about um, putting a spy kit on something and then like getting big old creatures. And for some reason, it had a very loose color theme. I had all the bringers in there. I had all of the, I didn't get all the Titans, but I had all of the, um, like the soul of, and it was just a bunch of weird five color oh, things. Yeah. And then eventually the deck has turned into five color Niv-Mizzet color matters Voltron. Yep. With a spy kit in it still. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, it's not a spy kit in it. The deck what? is, uh. it's one, of, that's another one of my favorite decks. And so maybe it's, maybe it's, I should try to find the commanders I like more and start building the decks around them instead of yeah. vice versa. Yeah. But, um, but you know, that's the thing that can happen too. You end up realizing how fun the person that you just grabbed as the plug-in like mm-hmm. actually is. And so you're like, oh, hold on. There's some stinky stuff I can do right there as well. Uh, at least in our play group that you were kind of the the driving force for that uh so like what is your because and i think you've also literally done it the most for converting a kitchen table deck over to commander oh yeah um i i have i i would say out of us just because i had the most decks i have i have done it the most um yeah i used gatherer mostly uh, for people mm-hmm. who don't know all of the different search engines i would highly recommend scryfall though yeah. Um, Scryfall is the I way to go that. now. I love Scryfall yeah. because you can actually search for cards by color identity and it's really nice and easy. So let's say my first deck I ever built was Kotha. Well, it was Kotha Fed. Uh, it yeah. was just called a, I, I, I'm on my way out. And the whole deck was just, I'm playing cards like, um, uh, 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 oh, what's that one called? Let's just search. Oh, it's ashes to Ashes. Oh, yeah. Ashes to Ashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had Ashes to Ashes. I had Pox. I had, um,. I had essentially any of the cards that said destroy target creature, you lose life equal to that creature's toughness. I ran those (laughs) because that was the whole idea was just, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be annoying. And then I'm going to die and I'm going to go home. (laughs) And that was Mm -hmm. it. And so like you go to Scryfall, you just click on like the black commander identity thing. And you just go up to rules text and you just write 
destroy creature, lose life. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. if that's your theme, that will give you a lot of stuff to work with. So if you are working off of a theme, you can just put in those keywords and kind of build yourself from there. So now, you know, especially in Commander, it's a very uh, big swingy format. I started yeah. adding in like board wipes, like Deadly Tempest. You destroy all creatures. Each player loses life equal to the number of creatures they control that were destroyed this way. Beautiful. Nice. Wow. I, mm-hmm. I never had that in my regular one. That's great. Yeah. I like it. Uh, Obnixilis, draw a card, lose a life. Yes, please. Get me out of here. <laughs> I want to go home. Reckless Spite, destroy two target non-black creatures. You lose five life. I found so many. I found so yeah. many, and the deck is so filled with this kind of stuff. Um, and then there's actually, um, you know, new cards, payoff cards that are just like, um, mm-hmm. who's the big boy? Whenever you lose life, you draw that many cards. Villas Broker of yeah, Blood. Villas Broker of Blood. So you can you can build a deck that is specifically about losing as fast as possible, and it still be highly effective <laughs> at yes. finding ways to make sure you're always killing things until you need to hit that last nail. Um, mm-hmm. And and so I think that just a search engine is very good. I think that once you have found enough things that you really like, then I would suggest maybe going over to EDH Rec and then checking out what people would do. Cause I think EDH rec is better for the filler bits of a deck. Like if you're searching just just Kotha fed and -hmm. you're just like, what do people run in a Kotha fed deck? You know, you'll see things like Phyrexian arena. You'll see, um, the, the enchantment you put on your land. It's like a two black and a, and one just tap the land, draw a card, lose a life. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll find all that kind of stuff. The stuff that's going to keep your engine going. EDH rec is great for, but I think if you're Mm -hmm. starting just looking for a theme, uh, then I would suggest Scryfall, something like that, because that's how I built most of my decks to carry over. I just searched for... Um, search for kind gathered. of what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. search for what yeah. they were doing. If it was a tribal deck, I'd search creature types, which is just, there's a little tab that says subtype, and you just put in whatever creature type you're looking for. If you're trying to build snakes, just search snakes. Trying to build dogs, just search dogs. Really good for that. Um, the only what deck that I've hounds? had... Oh yeah, if you're building if you're building dogs, they're not hounds anymore. Um, yeah. Well, then, running then, hounds. Um, if you're really hounds, you have to put it in the name section because you have to go based on their name at this point. The only oh, real right. deck that was a struggle was my was Daxos, um, Daxos of Melitus, because that mm-hmm. whole deck is built around cards that break the color pie. Yeah, um, in white and blue, <laughs> that, which is a little harder to search for. Yeah. But there there yeah. are people who have compiled lists of color pie breaks, and Magic Color Pie means a color doing something it should not be so like you Mm -hmm. know blue dealing direct damage things like that so there are compilations you can look for if you're doing weirder themes um Mm -hmm. i have not built anything as ridiculous as like people in hats or like yeah things with no tables i haven't done anything like that if you need help with that i literally cannot help you but um (laughs) but that is how Uh, i essentially started i can actually recommend on that if you are um what i have found because that's more of a that's more of a a current thing with commander is building kind of weird janky tribes like old lady tribal and stuff like that if it's a if you're building around something that is not um mechanical that's not that's not a mechanic on the card it's like it's a thing with it the best things are like we have a benefit of like um we have a discord server we have a a chat in it that is for deck ideas and so we kind of have that group think mentality we're just between the people that we play with we've all seen because we're always also all of us are literally looking at magic cards a good chunk of the time we've just Mm -hmm. seen a lot 
but it's for stuff like that um i will say as an actual resource it's sometimes like chair tribal i know that um commander's quarters has built that with the taga tog as a joke deck um but also scryfall has a as a searchable thing for it it actually has an art tag section where people this is a thing that it is it will be it'll it's going to fluctuate in difficulty depending on what you are doing in specific but things such as people in hats you can actually go to the art tag on scryfall and search for that and people will have gone through art and tagged them based on that now again like a thing like chairs or people in hats those are those are you know uh, larger hits it's going to be a bit easier on you but if you have a thing where it's like all people facing to the right or something that may be a bit more novel um, that other people haven't thought of, that's kind of the flip side of that where that deck will be more unique, which is typically what that kind of player is going for. But it yeah. will require more brute force work to find. For example, I found a guy, um, I found a list in a Facebook group um, uh, that did T-Pose Tribal, where they had gone through and found <laughs> just arts of people T-Posing, which is a thing that it's as you're kind of searching you can be mindful of and you can add it to the art tag within scryfall so that it helps other people and then once they they had had like a good chunk they basically had the deck done posted it into a group saying what they were doing and typically a lot of commander players are 10 out of 10 down for that exact kind of bullshit oh yeah and will help you if they they think of or know of a card that you (laughs) haven't mentioned there but yeah, if you're looking to do that kind of weirder thing, this this is I'll, I I second Daniel's recommendation for Scryfall, and that's one of the reasons because that's such like a left field out there kind of thing. And this can even be like you want to do an Urza tribal deck where it's all cards that have Urza in the art that are Urza and things like that. People are tagging art based on that to have like if that character is in the art, which is not a thing you could search for through its mechanics really. And so that's another option if that's the kind of thing you're doing. Oh, yeah. I just searched. They have a lore tab you can search, and I just searched Ulamog, uh-huh. and now it's showing me any card that has him in the art or mentions him. Yep. yep, yep, yep. And so, yeah, Scryfall is hella good for that type of thing. Um, but, yeah, so, like, that's kind of been our experience going from kitchen table to commander. I think that those two are the closest yes um in in the yeah. type of player who's playing them and things like that where we're kind of building deck ideas and then finding the commander at the end which is i think a pretty typical thing even for people who have only played commander but a thing we wanted to do in this episode is we wanted to kind of show um if you were wanting like, let's say if you're a tournament player or you're playing in another constructed format and you are interested in commander but you don't want to leave your deck behind essentially um we're gonna kind of go into ways similar to how we did with our kitchen table decks we kind of brought them with us into commander ways that may be more applicable if you're not a kitchen table player and let's say you're playing you know like standard or draft or something similar and you have a deck that you really like in that format and your friends are playing commander or you're just interested in it and you want to kind of bring that deck with you some strategies that we have found kind of in what we have done uh josh i think we were going to start with you yes yeah and i my experience uh is kind of uh, limited. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, I don't have much experience, as I've said, with with standard or anything like that. But I do always make a point to try to make it out to all the pre-release tournaments that I can make it to. I mm-hmm. really enjoy those. I I like it mm-hmm. being. Um, yeah, you're just messing with just those new cards from the new set. I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the, you know, building a deck with what you got. Um, and 
one experience that I had in terms of essentially taking a what ended up being a not too bad standard deck as I understand it and having that be my commander deck is at the Throne of Eltrain uh, pre-release event I happened mm-hmm. to pool in Ayara first of Lockthwain, a cauldron familiar and a foil <laughs> witch's oven um and I I actually already had a deck that was the sack my own stuff um slow life drain with the little critters I already had a deck that did that and then I ended up with this three card combo that um as I understand it is you know was a decent standard deck uh yeah. usually those are used from what I've seen in um uh Golgari uh, focusing on making the food tokens and other sack outlets. My EDH deck has ended mm. up being mono black. Um, mm. But yeah, I just accidentally, by going to a pre-release and just happening to pull those cards, I have this this decent standard combo in my EDH deck. I, I pulled that mm-hmm. inspiration from there. Um, and I mean, because my deck goes hard on essentially what Ayara first of Lockthwain does, uh, for those not looking at her, for three black, you get a two, three elf noble. Uh, whenever she or another black creature enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. You can also tap her, sack another black creature to draw a card. My deck is full of things like Cauldron Familiar, which also does that just little pingy life sucking. Uh, it's got the Maggot Carrier, <laughs> where each player loses a life. It's got, um, from uh, Ikoria, the Serrated Scorpion, where when it dies, it deals two damage to each opponent and you gain two life. You get the picture. That's the whole deck. <laughs> I pulled those cards. It was the perfect combo for the deck that already did exactly that. And that's my experience in more more uh, limited formats. Was there, because if I'm remembering correctly, you actually took a few more cards from Throne of Eldraine and added them to that deck, didn't you? Oh, did I? Because you got Sir Conrad in there. Yeah. No, I actually, I I considered him really heavily because he's totally on theme, but uh, my, my deck here is actually a little too consistent about murdering creatures for me to really be able to justify a five drop guy that I want to keep around. <laughs> I mainly need my, like, I have like so a hard dire on fleet. Oven. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like, Cause I, I have dire fleet ravager and uh gray merchant of Asphodel in there. Those are both five drops, but they do their thing when they enter and then I can and eat then them they all can day. Go. Yeah. I don't yeah, care. They can go away. <laughs> yeah. Sir Conrad is Has like I said, right around. on theme, but I, I cannot, I can't guarantee that he's going to be okay. <laughs> well, with with that in mind, though, there was another card from Ikoria, and I don't know if it would be one that you would want, but mm-hmm. just um, have, have you looked at Bastion of Remembrance? or like oh, from, that, yeah, oh, There was a pretty, pretty big aristocrat's little bit in there. It's just whenever yeah. a creature you control dies, each opponent loses a life, you gain one, and it also makes a 1-1 one, one soldier when it enters, a 3-drop enchantment, 2 and a black. Which that's, that's not too shabby. I do run... Um, oh, where'd it go? I run Zulaport... What's his name? Cutthroat. Yeah, Zulaport, Zulaport Cutthroat. Cutthroat. Yeah, Zulaport. Yeah. Yep. He, he's a 2-drop, 1-1. One, one. He has that exact ability where whenever he or another creature dies, 
that I control dies. Each opponent loses one life, mm. I gain one life. And this deck ends up being pretty dependent on creatures bringing them back. So I just chose, I've got that essentially doing that thing. Also, it just gives me this 1-1 white human soldier and in this mono-black deck, yeah, I, as, okay, I got gotcha. you. I, I got gotcha. you. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. Thanks, but no, no I, thanks. I like that, and um, and sometimes that can be kind of an inspiration thing. I I know that for I was pretty hesitant to get into Commander. You know, I was watching all the videos and stuff, but it wasn't until they released a Kyneos and. Uh, Tear of Melitus, and then the mm-hmm. deck list that had a Oath of Druids, Howling Mine, just cards that I run four ofs and other things. I was like, okay, this is for me. They made this, and sometimes you get that little surprise of just look, you like this card, and you go, I do like this card. You should do something with this card, and you go, I want to do something with this card, and I and I like that inspiration can strike that way. Um. Let's see. What's a good way to transition here? Just say I'm gonna talk about some stuff. Uh, yeah. So, so we, yeah, yeah. We want to go from uh, from if you if you thought a new set if you thought a new set was cool and you drafted it, maybe you also played standard. With that, we now go to our standard oh, yeah. correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I um I uh I'm Daniel. I did. Well, none of us have said our names at the start. I'm Daniel. Uh, that's <laughs> Drew, and that's Josh. Um, yes, that's the three of us. <laughs> yes. Um, I play a lot of uh, arena. I play a, a fair amount. I actually reached platinum, which is not mythic oh. or the next best one, but it's better than gold and I'll take it. And the deck that I most consistently um, got there with was uh, Teamer Adventures. Uh, Teamer Adventures uses the adventure mechanic in Magic the Gathering, which are creatures that have an alternate casting cost to play them as an instant or a sorcery that does something else that is not the creature. Um, for instance, there is um, Petty Theft and Brazen Borrower. Uh, Brazen Borrower is one and two blue for a flash 3-1 flyer that cannot block creatures with flying, or can only he's block creatures rogue. with flying. Yeah, he's a flying rogue. It's 20-something dollars. Yeah. You're not going to get it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know I don't have him. I don't. But for two... You can cast him as an instant from your hand for one and a blue, and it just returns target uh, non, non-land non permanent and opponent controls to their hand. And then once that has resolved, it goes on an adventure, which is to say it stays in exile, and then you can just cast it from exile later. Um, the thing that drew me to the adventures deck was that there is a card called Lucky Clover. Uh, Lucky Clover is a two-drop artifact that says whenever you cast an adventure, you copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. Mm. I, my, my big Timmy thing that I like to do more than anything else in Magic, aside from Mill and maybe one other thing, I like to copy <laughs> spells. I love <laughs> copying spells. I like it when things happen a bunch of times. I want everything to be going on forever. And so the idea of there is a two-drop colorless artifact that lets me double my instants and sorceries, that is the lowest cost that that ability has ever been. Yeah. And and the only caveat is that I have to run adventure spells. Whatever. I get to copy instants and sorceries for two mana. <laughs> Sounds that's, rad. That's 
That's like a turn two, like turn one, drop a soul ring, play like a clever. Turn two, I'm casting twice as many as sorceries. 100%. (laughs) I'm all about that. And I actually had built the deck first and then learned later that this was like a pretty good tier deck and standard for a long time before, um, Mm -hmm. I guess before Ikoria came in and and companions were rampant everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was trying to think about because this is, I love adventures. I love everything they do. Um, I was trying to think about why people play this as a, as a tier deck. Cause I know that not everybody's going to be going into it being like, Oh, I'm going to double my spells. Cause that's cute. Cause most people mm-hmm. want to win. And so I'm trying to think Ugh. of it from the perspective. Well, not everybody, but, but some people are like, I want to win and copying spells <laughs> is funny. So they'll win that way. Yeah. yeah. But I was thinking of like, what kind of players would, use this deck why this deck and not other decks and um i read an article about somebody who actually took the deck to a championship um came in first place with it and they were they essentially said that adventure spells are modal spells Mm -hmm. any in your hand you have at any point an instant or a sorcery or you can choose the other mode which is just a creature onto the battlefield Mm -hmm. you will have a game where in your hand you have a bunch of bone crusher giants and a lucky clover. You know what you're playing that game? You're playing a burn deck. You're playing a, I'm going to copy this bone crusher giant and I'm going to burn you out of this game. (laughs) Or Mm -hmm. you draw your brazen borrowers and then you're just playing a control deck (laughs) (laughs) until you find your other things. Or you like barely cast the creatures. Or you do the other thing where you're casting Beanstalk Giant, copying that multiple times, putting out a bunch of lands, dropping a 12-12 because you have 12 lands, and then you cast Fling, and you just throw a 12-12 at somebody's (laughs) whole head. The deck plays in so many ways. It hits so many different uh, niches. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that... um, And also just the... um, if somebody was to cast like a thought seize or a discard spell where they get mm-hmm. to look at your hand and get rid of something and you have an instant speed uh, uh, adventurer, you cast the adventure and now that creature is just in exile and they can't do anything to it. You just, yeah. you have that creature. So it's also mm-hmm. incredibly consistent in that way. Um, so my first thought process of how would I convert this? Uh, it was going to be a recoup of the two reflections. Because oh, Riku of, of the Two Reflections is two, and then a uh, teamer mana, which is a green, red, blue. And he says, whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may play a blue and a green. If you do, create a token copy of that creature. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you may play <laughs> a blue and a red. And then you copy that instant or sorcery. Riku yep. of Two Reflections, is a, he's an adventure guy. You, he you copies play them your, coming and going. You know, he gets them coming and going. And so anytime you cast an adventure, you're just like, oh, I'm going to do that twice. Hey, my guy hit, I'm going to do that twice. And then you can run other cards like Mirror March if you want to go extra hard on it, which is just whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, flip a bunch of coins until you lose a flip, get that many token copies with haste until end of turn. And so you can just go extra hard. You, know, you can um, even do things like a Dual Nature, one of my favorite cards. And there are so many big enchantments that just let you flat copy your instants and sorceries. Yeah. There's so many. There's a oh, thousand yeah. year Narcy- storm. There's swarm Narcy- intelligence. Narcy- they just swarm printed a yeah. uh, double. What's the? There's the red one, the brand new one. Oh yeah. Um, oh heck. Double uh, hands. Double hands. That's that's right. 
Um, it's also in these colors. Double you vision. Access double, to, double vision is what it is. You get access to a very cheap three mana tutor. Uh, it's um, Tribute Mage, I think. Uh, enters the battlefield, search your deck for an artifact with converted mana cost two. Yep. That just gets you your clover. Ah. And since you're already in green, there are ways to just find that card to go get your to go get your clover. You just say, oh, turn one. Um, uh, uh, uh. Oh, my brain is not working, and I'm very sorry. The green tutor that lets you get a creature. What's it called? You know what it's Worldly called. Worldly tutor. Worldly tutor. He's like, turn one. Worldly tutor. Get tribute mage, and then just turn two. Just play it. You're you're in green. You probably have the mana. You know, you just go get your lucky clover, and you just start going off. Uh, another yeah. thing you can do if you don't want to just go flat doubles is you can go for a, a more consistent take, which is playing a lot more bounce spells. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a card called Tide Spout, Tide Spout Tyrant, which is just whenever you cast oh, a spell, yeah. return a permanent to its owner's hand. So you oh, can play an yeah. adventure, bounce one of your creatures with adventure back to your hand, play your creature from the adventure, put it out, you're bouncing other people's things, and then you go back to playing the thing you bounced the first time as an adventure, bounce your other one that's a creature back to your hand. Lucky Clover is copying all of these things, and then, yep. so you're just going off. There's also a card called um, uh, Equilibrium that does a, a, a very similar thing. It mm-hmm. says... um. Uh, I spelled it wrong, but I did mean equilibrium. Thank you. Um, whenever you play a creature spell, you may pay one. If you do, return target creature to its owner's hand. That's it. Three yeah. drop enchantment, one and two blue. Very nice. Yeah. And yeah. then you just, so you just you can just keep going off on that. Another card I would highly suggest, and I will put it into into my version of this deck, is Rawl Storm Conduit. Yeah. He says whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery, you deal one damage to to target player. Bang. That's it. You don't even have yeah. to play anything good. If you just have out Lucky Clover and some other instant and sorcery spell doubler, which Rawl also does on his minus. By the way, a four drop that goes up to six loyalty on the turn you play it, that's so hard good. to deal with. That's like, yeah, you have yeah. multiple yeah. opponents, but that's really strong. So you're going to get some mm-hmm. value off of that. So that card is just, I highly recommend it. Um, but also since you're in Teamer, you also get access to Mirror Maid. You get Clever Impersonator. You get um, you get uh, Mythos of Aluna. All of these cards are things that just say, hey, that Lucky Clover, I want a copy of it. I want another Lucky Clover. I want three or four Lucky Clovers. And then if you're <laughs> copying your Instance and Sorceries and you cast Mythos of Aluna and it triggers like four times, you're just like, off of this one cast, can I please have four Lucky Clovers? It just says a created token of target uh, non-land permanent. And then if you paid, it's a two and two blue. And if you paid a green and a red in that cost, you can have it fight something, which maybe, (laughs) maybe you can do that. Absolutely. Why not? And so that's another direction you can go just for the value, but then also for the people who want something degenerate, a game ending combo on the spot. I got you, dog. I got you. Because it is an endless adventure if you're running Possibility Storm. And let me tell you why. Possibility Storm is a big, big, good red enchantment. And you know how much I love my big red enchantments. Uh, Especially ones that um, ruin the game for your opponents. Possibility Storm says, whenever a player casts a spell from their hand, 
they exile it, and then exile cards from the top of their library until they exile a card that shares a type with it. That player may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then they put all cards exiled with Possibility Storm on the bottom of their library in a random order. I know. That's a chaos card. I get it. Mm -hmm. Some people don't like it. But you have a reason this time. Because any time that you cast an adventure, well, that's going to be an instant or sorcery. And then so, it's going to start looking through the deck for instants or sorceries. But inside of the deck, any creature with adventure is a creature card. It is not an instant creature. So it's Mm -hmm. going to be skipping over all of the adventure cards. And let's say that you cast a sorcery. Well, what's a good card to have? A beacon of tomorrows? A sorcery that gives you an extra turn and then shuffles back into your deck? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, you don't have a sorcery? Cast an instant from your hand. Hey, what's an instant speed extra turn spell that shuffles back into your deck? Nexus of Fate. That's Mm -hmm. a pretty good one to have. The journey never ends you go forever (laughs) you win on the longest adventure you'll make people and guess what if this is on the battlefield and someone's like oh i have a way to destroy this i'm gonna cast acidic slime they're probably not casting acidic slime that's gonna go back into their deck and they're gonna get something much worse or a lot better but it's (laughs) unlikely because it's it's a chaos piece and I like I like its callback to like the inspiration for the deck is a standard deck because of it running Nexus of Fate, which is also a callback to standard and just how much ruckus it wrecked whenever it was there. Oh yeah, no, you can you can be running this pretty fair mechanic with a very very unfair win con because <laughs> adventure like when adventure came out nobody was it wasn't like companion they're like adventure okay and i never heard a single negative thing about it and i only have good things to say um if you yeah. don't want to do the extra turns route there is just have your deck be all permanence aside from a card called primal surge which is um mm-hmm. eight and two green i believe and it just says, uh, reveal yep. the top card of your library. If it's a permanent, put it into play. And you just keep doing that. And then so yep. if you right. hit it off of a sorcery, put your whole deck into play. Just have a lab man or a Thassa's Oracle in there. And then mm-hmm. and then there you go. You did it. You you played <laughs> what a lot of people call is a terrible five-drop enchantment. And you won. <laughs> you, you won because you went on an adventure. The adventure of a lifetime. There's, there's the so American many. dream. And then if you, there's even a version of this deck that's the really horrible theme deck. Like these mm-hmm. were all pretty solid options, but there is also the option if you want, you can just build an adventure deck in the sense that these are cards that reference going on an adventure. I'm going to run mm-hmm. Quest for Ula's Temple. I'm going to run, I'm going <laughs> to just run anything that makes a reference to going somewhere. I'm going to run uh, any card with Journey in the name. Any card with adventure, adventurous impulse. It doesn't matter. You can build a terrible, terrible deck in the same vein Mm -hmm. of everybody's favorite joke decks and still have it be Team of Adventures. You can just have it. Also, the fact that Lucky Clover is not like a legendary artifact makes me so happy. (laughs) Because I'm so worried. Yeah, there's lots of Lucky Clovers. Yeah. (laughs) But you feel that there'd only be... Oh, also, Mechanized Production. If you're building this deck, mechanized production. Oh, it's a four-drop yeah. enchantment, enchanted artifact. Beginning of your upkeep, you get a token copy of that artifact. If you have eight or more, you win the game. What's more lucky than eight four-leaf clovers? That's double the luck of a single four-leaf clover. <laughs> or not double, yep. but it's double the amount of four. 
<laughs> it is oh, double. Eight. It is twice as much as four. Yeah, it is twice as much as four. But I, yeah, it is. Eight. I love Teamer Adventures. If you're playing it, I would love to play against a Teamer Adventures commander deck. I think that there are some. I didn't even mention a lot of like really degenerate. Well, I mentioned very degenerate things. There's also <laughs> yes, cards yeah. like Cowardice. Whenever you target a creature with a spell or ability, return it to your hand. Uh, things like Niv Mizzet Perun. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, draw a card, deal a damage to something. Like that card on the battlefield with Cowardice, cast an adventure, target one of your creatures on the board, return it to your hand, uh, draw a card, mm-hmm. deal a damage to someone, cast it, draw another card, hit someone, it enters. You just. <laughs> You just go off. You just go yeah. way the hell off. I love it. Mm. And also, you turn creatures into instants and sorceries. You turn the worst type of magic card into two of the best types of magic <laughs> cards. <laughs> Come on. This is it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> and so I think that's, that would be the transition point for me. This is a, mm-hmm. I love playing this deck in standard, and I think it would be really fun to to jam in there and i understand that you also have a standard deck that you think is just about one of the best decks ever made god yes oh man um so as we've said early in the episode um i i don't particularly play standard i've dabbled with the idea i have played some arena but um uh, fairly recently kind of over the past year um a friend of mine was going to a uh, a team tournament where I believe it was a um, it was a it was teams of three, and you would play one player would be playing standard, one playing modern, and one playing pioneer at the time, and uh, they literally just needed a third. So I agreed just to help my friend out and just to go play some magic. And I'd be their third, and I was playing standard. I was in the standard slot. So he handed me um, this deck. Um, for anyone who may have played it, it I think it kind of fell out of favor. It still played a little bit now as we're in Akoria and Core 21 standard. Um, but it's heyday, it's kind of big peak was in uh, Throne of Eldraine standard. And it's Esper Doom, or what I exclusively call it is Doom Dance. Doom um, Dance. So it Dance. is my favorite standard deck I have ever seen. It is operating on such a weird, wacky axis um but for anyone who is not familiar with the deck um mtg goldfish and saffron olive have done a um have done an instant deck tech on it which kind of goes over the main points but essentially the the core of the deck in standard and i only played it at this one tournament but it made such an impression on me um the core of the deck is in its namesake it is a enchantment from throne of eldraine called doom foretold doom foretold is to a white and a black for an enchantment and it says at the beginning of each player's upkeep that player sacrifices a non-land non-token permanent if they can't they discard a card lose two life you draw a card gain two life make a two two white knight creature token with vigilance and you sacrifice doom foretold (laughs) and so what the deck does is that's not a legendary enchantment so in standard what it's doing is it's answering your opponent's threats and it's repeatedly playing doom foretold and it's other other key things are cards like um it's also running like golden egg and guild globe both of those essentially are artifacts that enter the battlefield and draw you a card so they cantrip on etb and then they sacrifice themselves to either gain you mana or in golden egg's case also you can gain life from it and then it's also running Emery, which is letting you essentially replay your own artifacts over and over again out of the graveyard. Um, Emery, Lurker of the Lock, is two and a blue for a 1-2 Merfolk Wizard. It costs one less to cast for each artifact you control. And when it when Emery enters the battlefield, you um, mill the top four of your cards into your graveyard. And then she has an ability where she can tap and you can cast target artifact card from your graveyard. So hmm. essentially what you can do if you're set up properly in the deck 
in addition to general um, Esper control lines, you can repeatedly sacrifice these cards that are just kind of drawing you through your deck, letting you get your pieces, and repeatedly sack it so that it's always your opponent who's going to have to have the big kind of negative of Doom Foretold of losing life, discarding a card, and then you are being up a card, up life, and up a creature in every instance. The finisher to the deck is a card called Dance of the Mance, which is X, white, and a blue for sorcery, and it lets you return up to X target artifact and or non-aura enchantment cards with converted mana cost X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So basically lets you reanimate a bunch of your enchantments and artifacts, which this deck is running a lot of. And then if X is six or more, those car those spells are four four creatures in addition to their other types so essentially in this deck you have been kind of stalling them out over and over again making them sacrifice their own things you've been sacrificing things like um kaya's wrath or not kaya's wrath oath of kaya which is an enchantment that does that is a um six life swing on etb mm-hmm. and then it's a three mana enchantment otherwise so you're kind of stacking up and then your finisher is that you just basically once their board is empty due to all the doom foretolds you're reanimating <laughs> a ton of enchantments back to the board and then just kind of hitting face. It's my favorite thing I've ever seen. It's operating in such like a weird late game aggro strategy. It's wild. And then and it's like running a, things like, like a, like a self mill enchantment. <laughs> yeah. But not, like, is it? Yeah. I know that it's like, enchantress, but it's like enchantment beats aristocrats aristocrats sort of yeah yeah. it's on it's hitting so many different axes of play Uh, playing insane it's also running things like to very time raveler anything you're running in esper to run control murderous rider all the removal and stuff like that but that's essentially the line of the deck is you're just kind of slowly grinding out your opponent turn after turn after turn after turn answering anything that's not going to be dealt with by doom foretold and then eventually you're just bringing all that back and hitting them right in the face with it and it's just such a wild thing so um for this episode to kind of uh to kind of do do some of the work for anyone who's listening who might want to transition formats to kind of show you the process like daniel did with the uh, with team or adventures i decided to take this deck and kind of see how i could make it into a full edh deck so my deck list will be um in the description of the video i have actually left my maybe board in um i as a deck builder am terrible I will I will almost exclusively start the deck building process with 8,000 cards and I will spend like most of my time cutting cards out is kind of what I'm doing. But I'm going to leave my maybe board in because there's a lot of kind of once you go up to 100 cards, you kind of have some wiggle room in things that you just personally want to play with. Um and I kind of want to show my work on that. So any other cards that I cut, I left on my maybe board. So in case you may want to play the deck in more one direction over the other, like more stacks or hard control is an option for this. But I think the kind of the first thing I, I, I went with is the deck to, I think for me, uh, for this exercise to be identifiable as doom dance one, it has to have doom foretold and dance of the man in it, which means I have to at a minimum be an Esper and to keep to the spirit of the deck as close as possible, I really didn't want to expand outside of those colors. I wanted to keep it as recognizable as what the core deck is originally doing as I possibly could, and then just kind of add to it the things that it needs to have for considerations for Commander. So... Um, you'll kind of see in my list here, but essentially I have a, um, I have a category called doom and essentially kind of anything in there was, I was looking for anything that specifically interacted with my doom dance line. 
So the big thing there is I'm running things such as, so in addition to Doom Foretold, in Standard you have the benefit of being able to run four copies of that. I don't in Commander, but what I do have is I have all of the options historically for making copies of permanents. So in my list here, I'm running a copy of Estrid's Invocation, which yeah. is two and a blue enchantment. Enters the Battlefield as a copy of an enchantment so that Love I'm it. doing oh, yeah. like two or three Doom Foretolds each turn, which just, mwah, I love that. Um, uh, um, mirror Maid, same thing. Enters the battlefield as a copy of an artifact or an enchantment on the battlefield. Mirage Mirror lets you kind of single out oh, an opponent, yeah, especially nice. in a in a four player environment who may just be able to have more permanents to sacrifice. You can for their upkeep if you want to hit them a little harder. You can do this to hit everybody a little harder <laughs> if you want. Um, but for two two mana, it is a three mana artifact has a two mana ability. Um, Mirage Mirror becomes a copy of target artifact creature or enchantment or land. Oh wait, hold on a second. Does yeah. Doom Dance trigger on upkeep? Uh, it does. Okay, so oh. mirror, mirror, mirror. That the mirror won't work because it'll Mirage be mirror? past the upkeep when you uh, activate it. Uh, then that's I'll true. cut this card. I'm wrong. Oh, but the, that uh, happens all the time, folks. But it lets you copy your other things because there's a lot of actually value artifacts in here. Yes. A lot of value Paradox Haze. In here. Have you have you mentioned the, Paradox Haze? Paradox Haze is also in here. I had not gotten to it yet, but there is uh, Paradox yeah. Haze, which is yeah. an aura for now. There's a couple lines. I'm going to get uh, deeper into this in a bit, but there's a couple lines in here where there are specific things in the deck that you actually want to sacrifice on your own. So there are uh, board positions where you would actually uh, cast Paradox Haze on yourself or uh, similar to what my goal was with Mirage Mirror, but what I'm doing with, like Mirror Maid and Estrid's Invocation, what you do with other things is you can cast it just to have multiple Doom Foretolds and really yeah. um, essentially have multiple activations mm-hmm. of it. Paradox Haze is two and a blue for a player enchantment aura. Um, at the beginning of the enchanted player's first upkeep, they take an additional upkeep, which means that Doom Foretold happens for them twice. So again, that lets you kind of really harp on a specific player. Or if you were just in a board position where you want to sacrifice more things, you can do that as well. Um, in case someone does remove kind of a lot of these are enchantment based. If they remove all those, you run spells like open the vaults uh, four and two white for a yes. sorcery, return all artifacts and enchantment cards from all graveyards to the battlefield under their owner's controls. That also hits on a thing that we're going to be getting into with a deck that a lot of times players will just kind of at the table agree that they can just not play things to make the doom foretold go away. Um, if you cast okay. open the vaults, no, they can't. They now have things back and they got a sack. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that also makes any any doom foretold and copies therein come back as yep, well. Yep, come right on back. And then there's also um, similar to what I was doing with, with my goal with Mirage Mirror is actually Strionic Resonator, uh, two mana artifact ah. for two tap copy target triggered ability you control which is going to be doom foretold and you um, you may choose new targets there are new targets in this case but basically just at the start of someone's upkeep the doom foretold triggers on the stack you activate Strionic Resonator they now have an extra one they have to do so. This is just ways to kind of replicate that kind of consistency that you would get in the standard version of the deck where you're just running a lot of that. In addition to those ways to kind of copy it on the field or kind of get it back. Oh, I'm also running Starfield of Nyx. Um, yes. Four and a white enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep me return an enchantment from your graveyard to the battlefield. If you have enough, they're swinging out. That also replicates the Dance of the Mance side of things as well, where you're just kind I, um... of swinging with them every turn. <laughs> I also I have a suggestion on that since you did mention the Starfield of Nyx, a thing that I've wanted mm-hmm. to exploit for a while but haven't really found a good way is um you should put assault suit in there. Oh. Assault suit. It is a four drop equipment, three to equip. Mm-hmm. Equipped creature gets plus two plus two haste, can't attack you or a planeswalker you control, and can't be sacrificed. And then at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, you can have that player gain control of it. The it can't be sacrificed thing. 
is mm-hmm. is so useful. I mean, if you put that on the oh, it the keeps Doom, Doom Dance in play forever. No, I yeah, because Doom Dan- Doom Foretold does say if they can't, then they discard a card. So if you can't sacrifice anything, Doom Foretold then gets sacrificed. Is what happens. No, if but you put if, the if, if you put foretold, the armor on Doom Foretold, it can't be sacrificed. Yeah, it can't oh. be sacrificed. Oh, equip it once it's a creature. I see what you're saying. Yes. Oh, yes, yeah. Yes, no, yes, that's yes. a really good line. Uh, in fact, for purposes of this um, audience, I'm cutting Mirage Mirror right now live. <laughs> good um, job. And I'm putting a salt suit in it. I'm Hell putting yeah. it into the maybe board so to show my work, and then I'm adding a salt suit to that same line. Um, but those are kind of those, so those are ways to kind of replicate the consistency. But then I also, I wanted the deck to scale a bit, because it's it's built for a 1v1 format, um, where, I mean, it's just not gonna, in most cases, unless, you know, you're on, you have the nut hand, and everyone else is kind of drawing really slowly, things like that. You're gonna you know, need a little bit of extra power. <laughs> oh, actually, y'all, hold both. on, sorry. Sorry, Oof. sorry. <laughs> Thing about Doom Foretold and Assault Suit, Doom Oops. Foretold would make you sacrifice Assault Suit. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, crap! Oh no, you would need yeah. to somehow. Sorry, well, oh, well. sorry. <laughs> so that other card that we used to replace the other card that didn't work, we'll find it. Yeah, we'll gonna, get. It. I'm now. I'm cutting it as well. Well, uh, but those are, and so. It yeah. keeps it from if someone. It, ideally, you would have other things to sacrifice, but if on some other player's turn they can't sack a thing you wouldn't have to get rid of doom foretold it still <laughs> it still works it still yeah, works no, it's still, so yeah 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 well okay enough. yeah um yeah. so the but so some of the other things i wanted uh, there are ways that i wanted the deck to benefit when my opponents are with the doom foretold effect having to sacrifice their things or discard cards. You want to kind of break that parody because Doom Foretold, other than the fact that you put it in your deck and you know what's going to happen, it's a fair magic card, quote unquote. The same things are happening to all players. So on that Mm -hmm. axis, what I did is, again, to um, to answer the... Or to... uh, I want to do this first. So whenever my opponents are um, sacrificing things, I don't want that to be the only way that it hurts them. So... What this deck is running is uh, It That Betrays, which is 12 oh, generic for an 11 11 Eldrazi with an oh, Annihilator yeah. 2, uh-huh. which that could be it, and that's enough. That card is already powerful. But what yeah. it's also saying is whenever an opponent sacrifices a non token permanent, which Doom, Do- Doom Foretold will make them do, you put that card onto the battlefield under your control. So this starts kind of getting us towards that space of where they are not they they're kind of all agreeing as the table like hey we're just not going to play anything make that doom foretold go away if that betrays it's always going to stay because you're always going to have something to sacrifice because it used to be theirs on that same (laughs) axis um this this card came up uh in the immediate pre-show but endless whispers two and two black each creature has when this creature is put into a graveyard from play choose an opponent that player puts the creature into the battlefield under their control so anytime that they sacrifice a creature that creature just reappears somewhere else for it to then get sacrificed if you control both things it kind of gets wild but that keeps things on the board to keep doom foretold on the board to keep that effect happening and then Let's say if it if it would go away and someone has to then discard a card, it also runs Waste Not, which is an enchantment, so it's playing into a lot of the Enchantress themes. Uh, but it's just whenever a player discards a creature card, um, you make a zombie. When a player discards a land, you add two swamp to your uh, two black to your mana pool. And whenever a player discards a non-creature non-land card, draw a card. So again, the the goal is always that when Doom Foretold 
get get sacrificed. It's going to be on an opponent's turn. Waste Notch is going to give you a way to benefit a little harder. In addition to the card draw, the game, the life gain, and the creature, you're going to also get either mana, a creature, or another card in hand with Waste on the field. Kind of lets you double up there. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from that, um, I guess for full disclosure, so uh, I want to kind of that's kind of how I replicated the doom foretold the doom dance part of it. Um, I, when looking for the commander, I looked for a card cause I noticed I'm kind of running a lot of artifacts and enchantments in Esper. Um, for that, I literally went to EDH rec um, because I already had an idea going into the deck who I was going to build around, but I wanted to make sure I was being pretty exhaustive. And in EDH rec, it does let you select on the top of the page. Um, let you select by the color identity of the commander you want to build. And then within that color, so within Esper, it has archetypes that are common among that color. With me building Enchantress, with the kind of key card of the whole deck is Doom Foretold, I was able to go to Enchantress, and so I went with Alayla Artful Provocateur, which, for people who are familiar with the card, I don't think is surprising. Uh, but it also enabled it to be on flavor um, choice, because she's also a card from Throne of Eldraine. So she's kind of in standard at the same time as Doom Foretold and Dance of the Mance. Alayla is a 1, white, blue, and a black for a 2-3 flying death touch lifelink. Other creatures you control with flying get plus 1 plus 0, and whenever you cast an artifact or enchantment spell, make a 1-1 one, one blue fairy creature token with flying. So as I'm casting all of these different enchantments, I'm just kind of getting flyers in this deck. I'm treating them more so as uh, block, just blockers and ways to not die <laughs> because this deck's not nice it's not kind at all so it's just kind of a way to help defend against the table kind of coming at you well um, it also it also mm-hmm. puts your opponents in a in a very funny position of look guys i have a what alayla alayla i have alayla i am casting enchantments i have a lot of flyers y'all i'm hitting you and they say yeah <laughs> yes. but yeah, but we don't. If we don't play permanence, then then you have to get rid of Doom Foretold, and you say, "Okay," and you just beat face. <laughs> I just until they him. have to play something to block with for maybe a turn, and then sacrifice. And, it's great. Well, and here's and here's the other thing. This is again, it's um, I as a deck builder, I like to kind of build multiple angles of attack whenever I build a deck. So along that exact same thought process. Alayla has flying death touch and lifelink. She is evasive. Even if I'm just getting, even if I'm bouncing off of an opponent's creature, I'm gaining life to help me kind of get to that late game state. I'm also running an artifact equipment in the deck that um, I'm going to recommend for any tribal deck, but also for this one in particular. So Alayla is running a, in this doom dance deck. I'm running a lot of artifacts and enchantments. So you just, without the deck even really being built for it necessarily, you're triggering her ability a lot. So I'm running an equipment. It's called Stoneforge Masterwork. It is one generic mana for an equipment. It equips for two mana. And equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each other creature you control that shares a creature type with it. Which for Alayla will be fairies and warlocks. It's mostly the fairy part. So, like I said, if they either just don't have flyers or if they are trying to kind of group up to not play things, which leaves them open, you can just kind of suit Alayla up for this really low cost artifact. You'll probably regularly have something like eight, nine, ten fairies on the board. But even if you only have like two or three, that puts her as like a four or a five power creature. And you can just hit them right in the face. And a couple swings (laughs) that will just kill them with commander damage. It's another kind of lane that you have here. 
Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to, um, in addition to the Doom Dance, like I said, I wanted to kind of have the the Doom foretold aspect hit my opponents a little harder and me a little lighter. With that, I also have some um, some support spells. My absolute, a couple, a couple of them, because I also built some reanimation lines and some other things. So one of my favorite includes in the deck is an enchantment called, where did it go? Oh no, I have, there, no, that's not it. That's what not does it do? Guys. I might know the name. It's six mana, Martyr's Bond. Martyr's oh, Bond yay. is four and two white for an enchantment. Whenever Martyr's Bond or another non-land permanent you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices a permanent that shares a type with it. So now we become a true motherfucker with this deck. So <laughs> Martyr's Bond, at the very least, whenever it gets to the start of your turn and you have like four or five Doom Foretold triggers, those aren't just things that you have to do to keep Doom Foretold around. Now those are proactive answers that you have to also continually try to wipe away your opponent's boards on each of your turns. In addition to that, this deck is running um, as cute as cutesy nods to the standard deck. I am running both Golden Egg and Guild Globe in the deck nice. for the same reasons that they ran in the standard deck because they are artifacts. I can sack them to Doom Foretold and then just get them back with Emery, who I also have here. Um, and so that's just kind of a way that you can repeatedly kind of control out the board. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other... Oh, um, two other cute things that I wanted to do. Let's say you get to a position, because it's Doom Foretold only needs a single opponent to have no non-land, non-token permanents for it to go away. Which is a bit... It, it's a bit feel-bad for you if it happens to be that you've got a beefy board, the other two players have a beefy board, and then one person falling behind is going to throw your whole Doom Foretold meanness out of whack. How, how awful of that guy. <laughs> how awful. So the deck is also Aww. packing both Stifle and Tail's End. So Stifle <laughs> will oh enable God. you to counter target activated or triggered ability. <laughs> and Tail's End lets you counter an activated oh. ability, triggered ability, or legendary spell. Oh, that's so, so funny. Lord. So they both yeah. will let you counter Doom Foretold for a turn if you need it to just skip past mm. them just this once. Or in a, in a hypothetical fake reality where you want it to be nice. <laughs> and also Tails End will let you just hard counter commanders. So in addition to being able to just yep. counter the Doom Foretold ability, it's people are going to play their commanders and you can also just hard counter those as needed. It runs a generic kind of control package. It runs Bajukabog, D-Spark, Dovin's Veto, Grasp of Fate, some other swords to plowshares, some just generic um, control magic stuff that you want to have in magic in general. But those two I wanted to point out just because they let you kind of interact with Doom Foretold in kind of a fun way. Um, I have a, I have a tutor package here and those are fine. And then the, the kind of last thing I wanted to hit on, this kind of goes back into that lightening the impact of doom foretold on you is what I just, in the section here, if you're looking at the deck list, I just kind of called it loops. And these are ways that you can sacrifice things, but have them not really go away. Um, and so for the loops, I'm running things that as they enter are getting you a benefit and then ways to kind of loop through the things that you have sacrificed to get those back. So I'm running a card. One of my favorite cards in the game is having goal Lich. It is a three, a blue and a black for a four, four creature. And then for one mana, you may cast target creature card from a graveyard this turn. When you cast it, it becomes a, it gains all activated abilities that card fill in a turn. That second effect will be relevant in corner cases, but mostly you can sacrifice creatures such as like grave crawler or Emery, or if someone kills a Layla, you can just let her hit the graveyard. 
Um, and with him, you can just pull them right back out on the battlefield and then you can sacrifice them again. If they're a card like Archaeomancer, you get to return an instant or sorcery whenever you do that. If they are a card like Auramancer, you get to return an enchantment to your hand whenever you do that. And so these are things that kind of let you loop through. Um, a card like Tragic Poet is one white, one one. Sacrifice it to return an enchantment to your hand. So if someone Such gets rid of the card. Doom Foretold, it lets you just pull it back. It's a super cheap rate. Um, and then if you want to be very, very cheeky, like I said, the deck runs Martyr's Bond, which is just going to make them sacrifice a thing that shares a type with a thing that you have sacrificed. Um, the deck runs Ornithopter, which on its face is an odd include. It's a zero mana, zero two with flying. However, if you have Ashnod's altar on the battlefield, Haven Gull Lich and Ornithopter, oh. you can infinitely cast Ornithopter oh. into an out of your graveyard with Martyr's Bond that will get rid of all creatures your opponents control, all <laughs> artifacts your opponents control. Yep. Yep. And it generates infinite generic mana as you need. Um, another fun line is the deck is running Intruder Alarm, which I mentioned earlier. Two and oh, blue I enchantment. All creatures alarm. don't creatures don't untap, but whenever another creature enters the battlefield, all creatures untap. Which in that same line with Ornithopter, if you have Emery, that will allow you to looping through Ornithopter, cast all of your artifacts back out of your graveyard if you need to. Mm -hmm. But it's actually in the deck for another sillier reason. The deck is running um, Whisper Blood Liturgist, which is three and a black for a two-two. With an activated ability of tap, sacrifice two creatures, return a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. Now, as I mentioned with Alayla, every time you cast an artifact, an enchantment, etc., you're going to be making these fairy tokens that are just kind of sitting around hanging out. With Whisper, you can basically reanimate half as many creatures from your graveyard as you have on the field if Intruder Alarm is also out. You tap Whisper, sacrifice two fairies bring out a card like i didn't even get to it yet but worm coil engine which is in here get that oh, back onto the battlefield <laughs> and then intruder alarm will trigger and it'll untap all your creatures notably whisper and let you kind of do that again and again and so it kind of lets you get into these loops of with that that lets you basically reanimate all your creatures over and over again as your opponents are kind of stuck not being able to do anything um, as far as like sacrifice or death triggers the deck is also running pitiless plunderer a pet card of mine Three and a black for a 1-4 whenever another creature dies, which you'll do with Doom Foretold, or just on purpose at any other point in the turn. Um, you make a treasure artifact token, which you can sacrifice for a man of any color. The deck runs Revel in Riches, which is whenever an, a creature an opponent's controls dies, you make treasure tokens, so it lets you help ramp up. Also, with the added benefit of if you have 10 or more treasures, you just flat out win. Or if nothing else, it's a 5-mana enchantment that you can reanimate with Doom Dance. A lot of options mm -hmm. with it. Um, a lot of the lower intensity, but just kind of general value that I added. Mycosynth Wellspring is a two-man ah. artifact. And whenever it enters the battlefield or is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, you put a land from your uh, a basic land from your library onto the battlefield tapped. Esper's hard up on ramp. That lets you kind of get that coming and going. And if you can loop it through with Emery or any of the other ways, you can kind of repeatedly ramp out, basically get all your lands into play pretty easily. I'm also running um, Icker Wellspring, which is the same mana cost and same effect, but instead of mana ramp, it's drawing a card. Lets you kind of loop through on that as well. And those are kind of the primary things there. Um, I don't know if there's anything else that's kind of like cute like those. Uh, I have the full deck list that's going to be in the description there, but that's essentially the deck. I was able to replicate the uh the ability of doom foretold make copies of it so it's happening multiple multiple times you can deny your opponents the abilities of ways to get it to go away and if they do remove it you actually have a whole package of cards to just pull it right the hell back onto the field for you i like it i i think that um nice that's a very unique 
um, mm-hmm. kind of deck archetype that I don't, I don't know any other so Esper wild. commander that can pull it off. Yeah, like I'm um, yeah. looking at them, like looking at them for the deck building process. It had Aloro there, which will work just because the this wants to play a slower game, and so being able to live longer is helpful. But yeah. that just wasn't as fun. I don't no. find Aloro to be very interesting. Amanatu was a pretty interesting example, but I didn't know if I particularly cared for it. Oh, the other cute one that there is one more um, cute play that I did want to introduce. This is a card I've been trying to find a way to work it. Um, there's a card called Delaying Shield, and uh, you guys may need to correct me if I'm wrong on how this interaction will work. But Delaying Let's Shield see. is three and a white for an enchantment. If you would be dealt damage, put that many delay counters on Delaying Shield instead. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove all delay counters from Delaying Shield. For each delay counter removed this way, you lose a life unless you pay one and a white. Now, my idea is that people can try to hit you all day. And then on your upkeep, Doom Dance trigger or Doom Foretold triggers, you sacrifice Delaying Shield. There are no counters to be removed from Delaying Shield. You pay nothing. That is my assumption. I'm not a I'm not a magic judge or anything like that. So with that in play, you essentially can loop reanimating yeah. delaying shield, being basically immune to all damage, <laughs> all damage of any sorts, and then just sacrificing it, reanimating it each turn. Yeah, if you get rid of the delaying shield before it's uh, at the beginning of the upkeep trigger happens, mm-hmm. if you got rid yep. of it at the end of a turn, yeah, you you totally wouldn't have to pay anything or lose life. Would I if I because it's. I think it also checks whenever it goes onto the second when it resolves, but it, like, cause I'm thinking if on my upkeep, if it triggers, but I resolve doom foretold first and sacrifice it, I haven't removed any delay uh, counters from it. So would I then have to pay anything? I would think that I wouldn't, I could be wrong. Yeah. I don't know if that's a situation last, where uh, it would remember <clears throat> the, the last known the information. Last yeah, because my I yeah, think my sure. thing on it because it either works yeah. that you don't get hurt or you have no way of not getting hurt. <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait! The specific wording makes it work. It works because it says at the beginning yeah. of your upkeep, remove all delay counters from it. For each delay counter removed this way, if you sacked it, yeah. there were oh. no counters removed. That yeah, way. I the didn't remove any. Exactly, oh, yeah. wording okay. makes it work. There yes. we go. Okay. Yeah, and so then if you have like tragic poet and a way to reanimate the creatures or any of the other ways to loop that kind of reanimation thing you can literally sacrifice delaying shield to doom foretold its trigger goes to resolve and whiffles and nothing happens and then you just bring it right back and now for another mm-hmm. round you were once again immune to all damage or That's if they nice. are then ha- if they're trying to remove it and then attack you they're having to use a removal on it not any of your other enchantments or anything else mm-hmm. cute in the deck um yeah that that's essentially it if you want the full deck list again it's in the description there has the entire deck list it's 100 cards playable really silly <laughs> I had a fun time building it. Um, I like it. I like what it's got yeah. going on. Yeah. Um, and so then as a as another thing, we wanted to go into, um, kind of before we wrap the episode up, I wanted to go into other formats as well. Standard was kind of the one that uh, Daniel and I had a personal connection to a deck to do. Um, I did look at... I looked at um, Modern first... And I looked at Modern Infect and what I've been finding, I think that we had kind of noticed where like a lot of archetypes kind of had decks for them. I went to build um, Modern Infect, for example, which is running things like Glistener Elf and Blighted Agent. And then it's an Infect deck. It's trying to deal 10 damage to an opponent. Um, A lot of decks, if you're coming from another format, and we noticed this as a trend when looking at it, that tended to go up the older a format was. 
Um, so modern and then legacy and vintage and things like that. A lot of those decks actually have the tendency to kind of be already made in the commander format if what you're looking for is a kind of one-to-one translation. Using Infect as an example, in uh, in Commander, you actually have two different four-color Infect decks that are tuned, playable, and kind of ready to go, where you don't really have to get into kind of this brewing set. You can actually take your deck and basically play it as is in the Commander format. What I found is essentially it came down to if you wanted to have blue in your deck or if you wanted to have red in your deck. If you want to have blue in your deck and you're coming from Modern Infect, the card you want to play is Atraxa, Praetor's Voice. Mm -hmm. It is a white, a blue, a black, and a green. It has Flying, Death Touch, Lifelink, and Vigilance. I'm doing this off of memory, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of each of your insteps, proliferate. So that lets you run all of the good infect cards and everything but red. And then essentially you can put one infect counter on each player. And then just on each end step, you just slowly ratchet them up until they're all dead. The other flip side, the other really big infect deck is running Saskia the Unyielding, which is um, four colors, no blue. So it's running white, black, green, and red. And Saskia the Unyielding is a three, four with vigilance and haste. Whenever she enters the battlefield, you choose an opponent. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to an opponent, it also deals that much damage to the chosen opponent, which lets you essentially double up your combat phase's effectiveness with Infect. So it kind of lets you do that same thing. I don't have a personal deck list built for that. However, you can search for both of those on ADH Rec, click Infect under the theme, and that will give you essentially those entire, like the all of the cards that those decks are running. It gets you kind of that full build there. Yeah, I think I think that that is a thing about older formats is because mm-hmm. especially because things like modern and and legacy and vintage they don't rotate; just cards are added. Just uh, so like building a building a deck out of standard is mm-hmm. there will always be new ways that you have to play standard, like yes. teamer adventures. Like there's no modern list for <laughs> for adventures. Teamer I adventure. do not believe <laughs> that is not a modern uh-huh. thing. Because modern is, these are old decks that people know and people have been working on for, you know, ever since the format has started. So a lot of the stuff in modern has been figured out until, like, a substantial mistake is made, like Hogak or Norris (laughs) of the Dream Dream. Like, you know, something like that happens. And then then they rectify it. But Mm -hmm. it is not very often that new, 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 brand new decks are being added into modern legacy and vintage, where standard forces you to have new decks so we find that like you know infect especially like if somebody was playing infect and modern goes into commander they probably have a bigger you know idea of the card pool that is available yeah yeah definitely yeah and it's all it's also just it's it's mostly for like the the archetypes that we could find um for for disclosure like whenever i was kind of researching for this episode i was looking at the um the meta list that you can find on mtggoldfish.com which will have kind of the largest percentage of decks that are winning and top eighting in tournaments um the decks that i found kind of going through the going through the list for a lot of the older formats just like it there wasn't a lot of brewing that I had to do. And a lot of that is all is mostly just because these decks have existed for a long time. So kind mm-hmm. of the process to do that has already been done by enough players that you can kind of already find them with team adventures, like Daniel said, and with doom foretold, these were decks that were new enough that no one had really, that I could really find or at least find easily had taken the time to migrate them over. 
um, to Commander in this kind of way. Um, but uh, what I will say, though, is having done this now for this episode, um, I don't know about uh, y'all's experience with it. I actually really enjoyed the the challenge of having to do that. If anyone in the audience, if you do, um, if you did enjoy this episode, you did enjoy this topic, and want us to revisit it for a specific format or something similar to that, um, just let us know. And if we, if it's enough, you know, if it's popular with enough people, we may revisit it and just do like a specific, like, oops, all popper. And we just all take them <laughs> and make them work or yes. something. Um, yes. Yeah. If it's a, if it's a show style, if you enjoyed this show, enjoyed this topic, um, just kind of let us know either in the comments here online on our Facebook page. We're also, I think on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, we're demonstrate the loop on Facebook. We are demonstrate loop on Twitter and we are demonstrate the loop on Instagram or you can shoot us a email at, I believe, let me make sure I say our email right. Because I think this is the first time I've actually plugged all the stuff. Um, yeah, if you want to send us an email, our email is dtlmtgpod at gmail.com. So like us and talk to us on socials or shoot us an email. Um, if you like this episode, want us to revisit it, have any thoughts on it or anything like that. Um, but yeah, that's been this. <laughs> That has been this episode. Um, I, I guess the only other thing that I would say is that if you have specifically uh, ported mm. over a, a deck that yes. you've been playing in standard or modern, yeah. and stuff, I, I would be very interested in seeing it, looking over it, because, mm. you know, when we reached out, we there were some people that said that they came over, like, from other formats, but they didn't, you know, they didn't give us a list or, or say what cards they were jamming into, like, the new stuff. Yeah. So if, you, if you've done the work, We'd love to see it. Give you a grade on it. It'll always be an A because you did the work and that's good enough for And me. that's that's all that matters. In in fact, if you're a modern infect player and all you did was go to EDH rec, tell it to give you a sample deck, copied and pasted it, and then put it there, I'm still gonna give you an A. Because at least you did that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not gonna give them an A. I'm going to um abstain. That's fair. That starts with an A, we'll count it. Um, yeah. I give them true. an A for abstain. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, if you um if you like this episode topic or just if you like the show, um like us on all the places. We'll post whenever we have new episodes. Um what we're also doing is if we have a topic like this, like we said, we reached out to different like online groups for it, we'll probably continue doing that. So if you want a way to kind of contribute to the shows as we're doing them, make sure you are following us on the Facebooks, Twitters, Instagrams and such. Um, but that has been um, us demonstrating the loop. We will now move to instep and concede. All good night, everybody. Be safe out All there. All three of us. Have a good time. Bye. Bye. Scoop. <laughs>